again, I, I think the river has a new story to tell every day. What's your story? You know, what's your river story? Think about how the James or a local stream or river has impacted your life, your family. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new season of Life in Motion. Uh, to kick things off with episode 29, I have Todd Wilkinson here from James River Basin Partnership, um, which is a nonprofit in Springfield that helps protect the springs, streams, rivers, and lakes in the James River watershed. Um, but first of all, thank you, Todd, for coming on today's episode. Um, excited to have you on. Hey, it's exciting to be here. This is this is my first podcast. So I've <laughs> never been on a podcast before. Well, there you go. I'm happy uh, that you're sharing the experience with, with us. Um, so before we get into James River Bart Basin Partnership. It's a mouthful. Um, yes. It's <laughs> JRBP works too. So. JRBP. Okay. Um, before we get into that and what everything you guys do over there, um, let's start off with what your story is. Who, who is Todd? You know, where did you get started with all this and kind of um, leading up to it all? It, it, it literally is a meandering river. You know, Mark Twain said one time that the river's got a new story to tell every day in life on the Mississippi. And that's so true. I, I find myself, you know, working here at JRBP and I think about how I got to the partnership and and so many things really just kind of came together. I, I grew up here in Springfield. My parents are both non-natives. My dad was born in northern Arizona. My my mom was born in northern Iowa. Right. So two different cultures, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, growing up in Springfield, going to college here at then Southwest Missouri State, that'll date me. But my graduate degree is entitled from Missouri State, so my master's degree. <laughs> but uh, spent a lot of time out at Wilson's Creek and uh, got involved with their volunteer program when I was in college, and, and I was doing the living history reenacting stuff, so we were okay. shooting cannons and muskets on the weekend, and that was what I, I started off to major in was history, and I really was always into mis- military history, and that was the career path I thought I chose. I specifically wanted to be a park ranger. I wanted to be a park ranger at a Civil War battlefield, and I'd spent a lot of time with my dad's parents, my grandparents out in northern Arizona, and they used to take me to historic sites and national parks. And when I was in in high school, when I was about a junior in high school that summer, we went to uh, Sunset Crater National Monument, which is outside of Flagstaff. And I knew that was where I wanted to be a park ranger. I saw these park rangers and, and I said, that's the career path I wanted to go. So I combined those two, the military history and, and being a park ranger. And I spent a decade working for the National Park Service as a seasonal park ranger. Okay. Your listeners who know anything about the Park Service know that full-time park ranger positions are very hard to get. There, uh, there are always a lot of competition, and you have to have the fates aligning, essentially, to, to get in full-time. So eventually I moved over into academia, and I taught for 16 years at Ozarks Technical Community College. Okay. I worked in their library for a while, but I was always trying to get back outside. I loved being a park ranger. I loved being outdoors and in, in the natural world, and... I knew that I didn't want to stay in academia. I wanted to get back somehow. So, so I finally did with JRBP. But a couple things I discovered very quickly. Um, number one, when you're wearing the smoky bear hat and the grain green of a park ranger, people expect you to know everything about everything. And I remember visitors coming up and asking me, hey, what tree is that? Or what sort of animals do you have in the park? Or that sort of thing. And, and I was so focused on history. Yeah that I didn't always have the answer. And the more I worked as a park ranger, the more I discovered that I liked 
the holistic park experience rather than just focusing on the civil war i liked being a park ranger okay so i decided you know i need to have more of a general knowledge in that regard um number two um i got involved with the coast guard auxiliary okay which is the enrolled volunteer component of the u.s coast guard people say What's the Coast Guard doing in southwest Missouri? Well, lakes and stuff, I guess? Lakes mostly, Table Rock Lake, the Missouri River, the Mississippi River. Okay. We're in the largest Coast Guard district in the country, the 8th District. Really? In size, not in personnel or ships. Although we do have a cutter (laughs) two hours away from here, which blows people away in Oklahoma. (laughs) But I got involved with that organization. It was a way to still serve, and that was a big thing for me being a park ranger, was serving the community, serving the country. I missed that. And so getting back into uniform, getting into the Coast Guard Auxiliary, I was exposed to things that I started to discover would make a great career. So I had some circumstances in my life where I needed to think about a career change. And my training in the Coast Guard Auxiliary as a public affairs specialist and then working with what's called marine safety and environmental protection. In the Coast Guard, they're lovingly known as duck scrubbers. But the folks that deal with environmental missions, okay. you know, everything from oil spills to regulations of marine heads, marine bathrooms on ships, that really? sort of things. The Coast Guard does. You don't really think about that as yeah. an average person, I guess. But they do all of that, you know, and, and you have these environmental specialists in the Coast Guard. I got involved in the auxiliary side of that. And so when this job came open in 2018 with JRBP uh, for a membership and communications manager, I had the training from the Coast Guard. I had the experience as a park ranger. I love to tell stories. So it was just a natural fit. And I found myself in a world that I kind of knew existed, Mm -hmm. but I never realized how good the nonprofit world was in a lot of ways. And I find myself every day going, why didn't I find this sooner? (laughs) Why didn't I get into this sooner? Because it was perfect. It was like a a tailor-made job for all of these experiences. Yeah. You know, even even when I was teaching, I, I taught geography and history. I taught a class for years at OTC called Ozarks Culture and Geography. And when I was in, in MSU, uh, my minor for my bachelor's degree was geography. And in geography, you learn about space and place, you know, landscape and culture and how landscape affects culture. And I taught about that, about the Ozarks. And I took my students on field trips to Wilson's Creek or okay. to the Nathan Boone Homestead in, in Ash Grove. And I loved being outside of the classroom. My students loved it too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, again, this was just all kind of this coming together. It was this this really neat convergence, this confluence, to use a river term, of all these past experiences. That's awesome. So, yeah, and it sounds like it just kind of worked out perfectly, kind of how everything kind of built upon each other. So, so 2018 said when you start. So yeah. it's still only been a year year and a half year and a half yeah. um so how did did you know about the james river basin partnership beforehand or how did how did that kind of come about like as you stumbled upon it uh, i guess you a, know? a really good friend of mine in the coast guard auxiliary actually uh made me aware of the job posting first okay. she had had found it on online somewhere and we actually uh, were what's called striking. We were striking for a particular qualification. We were, were basically trying to get this qualification in what's called a, a prevention outreach specialist, which is an environmental special outreach person, essentially. One of the things that we had to do was a cleanup, okay. some sort of stream cleanup. And JRBP was hosting a stream cleanup on Jordan Creek, just north of OTC, in July of 2018. So we signed up for that. 
we went and did that and then literally th- literally within the next couple of days I turned in my application got the phone call for the job interview that's awesome and so it was this again this neat coming together of all of these these events uh, I, I knew about JRBP, but I didn't really know a lot about them. I knew that they had sponsored River Jam down in, in Ozark mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. But I never really knew how active they were or, or what sort of impact they had on the local community. Yeah. So, again, once I got into it, I was just amazed. and It was like, wow, I found a home, and I didn't even know that home really existed <laughs> you know, before. <laughs> that's amazing. That, I, no, that's just great how it all kind of fell together not only that but you stumbled upon it not even fully knowing that hey this is the perfect fit for me yeah um so kind of getting into that you know like you said uh jrbp still a mouthful (laughs) (laughs) um you know that was kind of your first experience of seeing how much they do within the community so on that note what exactly do you all do um within the community and what exactly is the mission and, and all that stuff well you know jrbp is a grassroots organization it, it started back in 1997 1998 when people really started to be aware of the pollution on the james I, folks were always kind of aware of it you know big smith had the song dirty old james which a lot of people still i think have that mindset that the james is is a dirty river it's improving mm-hmm. uh, it, we're seeing a lot of improvement but back in the late 90s, you had an algae bloom that was 14 miles long wow. on the James River arm of Table Rock Lake. So there's this really famous picture. Your listeners can Google it, James River algae bloom. And it literally shows this blue-green film on the river and this motorboat doing figure eights in the algae bloom. And that went viral. Yeah. If you could have something go viral. <laughs> but that really woke people up. And I think people were kind of aware of the James River's uh, pollution issues before that. But when they saw that, and in particular, you see this symbol of of tourism and recreation, which is so important here in the Ozarks, Mm -hmm. and the potential impact on that. Because people come to the Ozarks for the crystal clear streams. They come for the lakes. Well, now you've got this algae bloom, and you've got these these, uh, nutrient runoff. you know, fancy term for pollutants that are that are coming in from all sorts of areas and impacting that stream, that really woke people up. And the partnership came together uh, with local government officials, with uh, folks from uh, agencies like NRCS or uh, uh, the Missouri Department of uh, Natural Resources, and just local individual citizens that were concerned. And they came together, and one of the first things that they did was a float trip okay. to literally show people the James to get them to connect with what they what they want yeah. to protect, essentially. Yeah. And over the years, JRBP has done a number of different programs. They've applied for grants with uh, the Department of Natural Resources and the Environmental Protection Association or uh, agency. Excuse me. Uh, now I'm having trouble with, <laughs> with, with the abbreviations. But grant work, uh, contract work with local cities and counties, uh, everything from rebate programs on rainwater harvesting, rain barrels, okay. to septic pump outs, to river cleanups, outreach programs, going out and talking to the school kids in the public schools, leading eco tourism, you know, eco tours of the river. You name it, JRBP does it. And you know, a lot of innovative ways to reach people, like yeah. those those rain barrels and uh, stormwater drain reveals. If any of your listeners are walking around downtown, you'll still see some old 
uh, artwork on some of the yeah. uh, stormwater drains. Most people don't realize that there are two sewer systems. There's the sanitary sewer system, which your toilets are hooked up to and whatnot. But then you've got the stormwater system. Okay. That's where all of the stormwater runoff goes. It's not treated. It's not hooked up to the sewage treatment plant. It literally goes right down into the, the rivers and streams. So okay. that, that first flush right after a big rainstorm. It's just all getting pushed down there. Exactly. So that, that storm drain that's there on McDaniel Street in downtown Springfield, that's literally the gateway to the James River, the White River, the Mississippi, all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Really? Yeah. That's, that's kind of a crazy way to think about it. <laughs> it's, it's called I mean, it's, a, a watershed address. Yeah. So um, a, a couple of different things. So one thing I want to ask so, or, I guess, comment on. So, you know, when you're talking about, you know, back in 97 or 98 or whatever when it started, when you guys uh, noticed the pollutants, you know, when I think of pollutants, I'm thinking of, you know, trash all over the place, which obviously is a pollutant, but it almost sounded like in the beginning with the algae and stuff that had to do with kind of those excess of nutrients and stuff. Mm -hmm. It can be any, it can be just about anything. So pollutants don't always come in the form of just that visible trash, I guess is what I'm getting at. Right. And and a lot of people think when, when they hear the word pollutant, when they think of pollution, they think of something called point source pollution. So you can point to the source. They think of the broken pipe. They think of the Exxon Valdez, and, and that certainly is something. But non-point source pollution is what we're talking about. It can be everything from excess fertilizer on lawns to agricultural runoff to cows in the stream to trash, microplastics, even something like brake dust. Really? Whoever knew that brake dust was a thing? I learned that when I got on the job. Brake dust, antifreeze, leaky oils. Leaky septic tanks. You know, it's amazing how many septic tanks here in southwest Missouri have issues with them. Well, you have a lateral field fail. You know, everybody thinks about the scene and meet the parents <laughs> where the, the septic system fails. Yeah. You know, that's leaking down into the groundwater. We're, we've got karst topography here in the Ozarks, Swiss cheese rocks. Yeah. And everything that's in the surface water eventually ends up in the groundwater. And that's the drinking water. And that's... Yeah, well, it's just not not a good uh, image right there, going from the, the movie scene to the drinking water. Yeah. So, no, it makes sense, though. I mean, all of that. So I guess, and, and I also want to backtrack, too, for, because um, honestly, I, the first time, obviously, we met was at Mappy Hour, and so I've heard you talk about this before. And honestly, I didn't really understand what a watershed was at that time until you explained it. So mm-hmm. can you explain that as well? And then and that kind of will bring it all together, I guess, as far as how that really gets down eventually to the... So think about a watershed as a big bowl, essentially. So it's where everything drains to. So in the James River, for example, the James River watershed, the James River watershed starts up in the Seymour Diggins area, Webster County, where the headwaters of the James are. Okay. And then it flows all the way down into what was the White River, now is Table Rock Lake. The White River's still there, obviously, but... It's been impounded, and and a number of different lakes have been created out of that. The James River flows into that. So the basin is everything around that river and its tributaries, essentially, at its highest point, and it's all flowing down into that river. Okay. Uh, Springfield is divided. On one side of Springfield, you have the Sock River watershed, and that flows north up to Stockton Lake and eventually up to the Missouri River, which seems odd. But then you have the James River watershed, which includes the Finley River, Crane Creek, Flat Creek, 
all of these little creeks that people may know of that that flows south mm-hmm. and that eventually goes down into the white river table rock lake well ideally that goes all the way down again into the gulf of mexico that's that watershed address concept okay it's all connected it's all the veins of the country you know i was talking earlier about the coast guard district uh, the inland riverways the ohio the mississippi the missouri the arkansas major sources of commerce and trade you know and yeah and again that's the veins of the united states in many ways and the james river is connected to that so what goes into the james river or doesn't is can eventually end up in the gulf yeah and that's so all of that yeah it's, so i guess that whole way that's moving its way down and all stuff is going to disperse at different places different areas and every human being in the world lives in a watershed we literally live in a – every one of us lives in a watershed. So this is a problem that – this is a something that can affect every human being on Earth if they don't have access to clean water, to good water in that watershed. If their watershed is impacted, it impacts everything from business to tourism to the environment itself to health issues, all of those things. So – so let's so let's and let's kind of hit on a couple of questions I want to have or I had for you. So um, starting with the most obvious is kind of the um, the effects it has on on nature, I guess, um, including ourselves with the drinking water. So how do you how do you prevent you know that runoff or how do you I guess filter oh filter s- great water or you know yeah great choice and in, in fact one of the best ways to filter that stormwater runoff and the last barrier of defense as we call it is the riparian zone okay can't plant enough trees if you've got trees and you've got a riparian buffer zone along the streams along the creeks and rivers that's going to create a filter essentially uh, if you've been around town you know the the detention basins and the retention basins that that collect water during a, a major event that allows for what we call slow spread soak Okay. So nature will filter those pollutants out in time, but you've got to slow it down. You've got to spread it out and let it soak in so it will take care of those those pollutants. If we have impacted soil, soil that's been beaten down that the water can't flow through it, or you have a lot of what's called impervious surfaces like, like driveways or uh, like uh, parking lots, the water just runs off them with the pollutants. And again, that goes right down the chain. It goes okay. right down the river, essentially. So there are all of these great things that people can do, like getting one of our free uh, lawn tests. We actually have a program called the Lawn Steward Program. It's available for residents of Springfield and certain areas of the watershed where we'll come out and we'll test your lawn. We'll determine what sort of um, best practices you need to, uh, to apply. And we can make your lawn more sustainable. And that's a way, just reducing the amount of of fertilizer or other uh, uh, treatments that you might put on your lawn can help with that. So is that the biggest way that, for example, for that would be helping reduce that? Or is there other ways that you can also? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different ways. If you're not, you know, if if your lawn isn't a major issue, but you live in the country and, and you know that your septic tank has never been pumped since you've moved to the house, getting a septic pump out. And we offer a rebate. If a resident of the watershed uses one of our approved uh, pumpers, we have a list that's provided to us by the state of pumping companies that have met certain requirements. 
and you use one of those and you fill out one of our applications for what we call our fresh flush pump out rebate and you turn that into us uh, we give you a $50 rebate one time one per property rebate essentially that's going to help protect the groundwater and the surface water as well collecting rainwater and using it for uh, watering your lawn or washing your car even just washing your car in your dry or in your yard it's just the soap and, and the, everything yeah. that's and, and helping with the cleanups. I mean, the, our river rescue event is our largest cleanup event of the year. We do it usually in June. If the river's high, we've got a lot of high flow. We don't, pe- we don't put people out on the river. But that's one way that you can help. Uh, getting involved in stream team, Missouri stream team. We're a stream team organization. That's literally citizen water quality monitors. So we get out and we do water quality testing. And people are doing this on their own as well and checking about what critters live in the creeks and, and rivers, macroinvertebrates, uh, doing chemistry tests, basic chemistry tests. The state provides this for free for volunteers. Really? And people will literally adopt the stream right behind their house. And they're out there picking up trash and monitoring and, and doing all of this stuff and then turning that into the state. And that's a way to get you know, to potentially help the state identify areas that need to be cleaned up and what needs attention. It helps us. And there's all sorts of activities. You can do one, you can do all of them, but every little bit helps. Um, the historian in me always wants to say, this is like World War II. You know, you think about the scrap metal drives and the paper drives and the rubber drives, you know, and the kids running around the neighborhood with the wheelbarrows filled with items, collecting it for the war drive. You know, they're collecting fat and grease, all of these things. Well, we're doing the same thing today. We're responding to a call to help protect all of these natural resources. Well, we don't have to wait on the government to do it. We can do it on our own. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what this grassroots organization is. We get a lot of support from government agencies who don't want to say anything like that. But ordinary people, they can do all of these things. Yeah. And, and again, just like with you know how I was. I didn't realize what this what this partnership did. Yeah, you know you can get involved. And then, like you said, you you kind of find those problem areas from those grassroots organizations, and then spread it out to the larger organizations. It kind of seems like what you're saying. Think, um, think global, act local. Yeah, know? yeah. There you go. That's yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, so so then you know with with and you actually touched on this earlier too. Um, how it has an effect from um, an economical tourist or tourism standpoint as well. You know, what what do the cleaner, I mean, obviously, you know, the the health of everything is more important than bringing more people, more commerce in here, of course, um, if, if you look at it, you know, ground level. But what does that, what does that mean for our, I guess, local economy or anybody's local economy when it has to mean, okay, we have these cleaner streams and whatnot, I guess, what does that impact? Well, you know, people have been coming to the Ozarks really from the beginning because of the natural resources. The first major tourism boom in the late 19th, early 20th century was based on natural resources. You had the hunters and the fishermen coming down from St. Louis and Kansas City and Chicago. And they were attracted to this area because it was what the geographers called an arrested frontier. It was developed, but sort of developed. You had a lot of areas that were still virgin wilderness. You had the clear flowing streams. And 
over the years, that's still a major source of income for a lot of, of rural communities. You know, I think about a, a town like Galena down on the southern end of the, the James River. Galena was the capital of the float trips. There was a guy named Jim Owen, yeah. the Jim Owen Theater in Branson. He was the guy that really started this in a lot of ways. He would take folks from outside of the, these these furriners, as they'd call them, these these uh, folks from Kansas City and, and St. Louis on these float trips from Galena to Branson. Now, you can't do that today, obviously, <laughs> with the lake. But they gave them this honest-to-gosh Ozarks experience, yeah. the gravel bar camping and you know the fish fries and, and getting to fish from the John boat and meeting all of these interesting local characters and hearing the, the local stories. Yeah. And I think about Galena and I think about these towns, you know, and, and, and the Clean River still today are bringing people and introducing them into a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. And people are making their livelihood that way. Yeah. And the outfitters that are putting people on the river, they need a clean, clear river to attract people in. Yeah. So, you know, we, we really all benefit from it. We benefit from the protection of these natural resources. And people come in and they see how beautiful the Ozarks are. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And that obviously makes complete sense. You know, have, the more attractive it is, it brings more people in. And, um, yeah, and, and in a different, different ways. So. And, and you don't have to be from somewhere else. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I meet it's true, yeah. that will say, well, you know, I float the current or I fo- float the Jack's Fork but they've never floated the James. And I, I love the current. Current's one of my favorite rivers. It was the first river I ever floated on. So it's always has that soft spot yeah. in my heart. But the James, it's a great river to float and it's a great river to fish. And a lot of people I don't think realize how close it is. I can be in the current in two hours, but I can be in certain portions of the James in 20 minutes, 30 really, minutes, yeah. even that, you know? And it's a great day out, and there's a lot of times where it's not a lot of people out there. You know, I mean, it's it's a gorgeous place to go. And I, I think a lot of people – I saw this as a park ranger too. You get people that would come in who had never been to Wilson's Creek, and they had lived here their entire life. And it's not anything bad. It's just you don't think about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, you know, there was the old tourism campaign, See America First, you know, see your own backyard first. And you'll be surprised, I think, what, you know, what's out here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You kind of forget about what's what's right in your own backyard or you kind of think about it and it's afterthought. And um, no, that, ma- that makes complete sense. So as far as, um, and I know you touched on some of your programs and events and stuff, um, like the the water cleanup, what, what are some of the other things? Now, I, I guess, would that be your biggest... I guess event annual event River Rescue is probably River Rescue. it's it's our largest event and it's it's probably our most well known event. It's been going on really since the first uh, Ozark Mountain Paddlers really uh, was the the creator of that in many ways and they they partnered with JRBP and it's what most people think of when they think of us is that River Rescue uh, in the summer and and we usually pick a stretch along the James. Last year we floated from uh, Kerr Access at Horse Creek all the way down to uh, Cox Access at Galena there at the Y Bridge. And so we cleaned that portion. Uh, we've floated other sections of the James. We, we actually keep a chart essentially of where we've cleaned and, you know, try to rotate and, and, and determine. So that way we're, we're making sure to hit as much of the river as possible. And, and folks really like that. Our Earth Day cleanup's another big event. It's held on Earth Day. We do that out at Lake Springfield. Okay. We have a land and sea portion of that. We've got folks out on the James in Lake Springfield, 
and and ca- canoes and kayaks. They'll either bring their own boats, or we have a number of boats that that we uh, we can loan out through the uh, uh, the good graces of uh, Bass Pro and and uh, Missouri Department of Conservation that help us out with that. Some great partnerships. Yeah, in that way, and we we also have folks doing landside cleanup, shoreside cleanup, walking along the shore, picking up trash. Uh, I mentioned our rebate programs: the rain barrel rebate and the septic rebate. We've got our lawn steward program. Those are three of our major projects right now. We do a lot of outreach and education. We contract with the city of Springfield, Greene County, Ozark and Nixa, and Republic right now. Those uh, communities are all required by their stormwater permits to do so much education and outreach okay. to the general public on pollution, on how to reduce stormwater runoff and pollution. So we're going in and we're talking to the schools. We're doing presentations. We're setting up uh, uh, tabling booths, as we call them, at local events and whatnot, handing out literature, you know, talking to employees, you know, city employees, county employees. It just helps spread the word more and more that way. Yep, yep. So as so for um, so out of curiosity for like the events um, like you said is you know those are kind of your biggest ones what kind of what kind of impact are you seeing with that I mean I, I guess I don't want to judge it by how much stuff you guys are carrying out because obviously that's a good that's a good thing and a bad thing you know if you know what I mean, it's bad that there's so much out there it's good how much you guys so but what are some of those numbers I guess kind of put into perspective that impact that it's having tons of trash. Tons of trash being hauled out of the river. Tons of trash. And, and the exact number is, you know, escaping me right now off the top of my head. But literally tons of trash, tons of tires hauled out of the river. You know, it was, here's, I think, a good way to, to, to describe that. When we did our, our river rescue last year, we floated. Here's one of the perks of the job. We got to float the day before. We do a, a pre-float just to check the route out, make sure there are not a lot of snags or other impediments. Yeah. We want to keep people safe on the river. And as we're floating down the James from Kerr to Cox, we're looking around. Man, there's not a lot of trash out here. The river looks pretty good. Well, didn't matter. The next day, as people started to get off the water, their canoes were filled with trash. Really? And it was all off in the weeds on the gravel bars. People had to get off of the river and get off into the gravel bars and on the shore to get the trash. So the trash was still there. It was just a little bit. It wasn't just, yeah, it wasn't in sight, so to speak. But the river looks much better than it has in a long time. You know, not only are are the scientific tests showing it, you Mm -hmm. know, Ozarks Water Watch, which is one of our sister organizations down at the lake, released their state of the watershed, state of the Ozarks Waters report. And the James is, is doing significantly better. It still has a lot of challenges, but the problem's still there. It's deceiving, you know, mm-hmm. in that way. So we're still pulling a lot out. Um, I think even more than the amount of trash we're pulling out is the amount of people we're getting out on the river. You know, that event has an, an average of attendance of, let's say, 75 to 80 people, yeah. maybe more than that, maybe 100 at times. And a lot of them are young families. Yeah. You know, kids that are getting out there in the canoe and – they, again, they're connecting with what we're supposed to protect. Mm-hmm. It, you know, our, pro, our uh, new executive director uh, is always wanting to say, nature doesn't belong to us. It's ours for a time. We're stewards of it. Mm-hmm. And then we pass it on to our children. Yeah. Okay, well, we see these kids out there. And to me, that's the success, even more than hauling the trash out. Because now we've got them out on the river. 
and then that just kind of builds and grows um, yeah, you, of that awareness, you know, because they're they're more aware at a younger age. Of, you know, give you an example of it. You know, one of one of the things I think I'll always remember. My son is a student here in Springfield, uh, and he went to the Watershed Center at Valley Watermill Park, which is run by the Watershed Committee of the Ozarks. That's our sister organization in the Sock River Watershed, and every summer. Springfield Public Schools Summer School Explorer Program mm-hmm. goes to the Watershed Center. So not long after I got this job, I was talking to my son, and my son starts reciting back to me facts about macroinvertebrates and water quality. And I could literally say to my son, I work with that every day. Yeah. And now he goes, wow, my dad does this. Yeah, yeah. And he loved that program. He loved going out to the watershed center. In fact, you know, we want to go hiking. We go out to the watershed center. Probably shouldn't say that. Don't want anybody to discover it. You know, <laughs> like that fishing spot. Don't go there. Yeah, yeah. You know, but. It's really terrible. But <laughs> You know, we go out there. And it's a way for us to connect. Yeah. You know, and he goes, wow, I, I learned about that. And now my dad's doing that. Yeah. And to me, that that's, you know. Proud of that moment, yeah. As a dad. <laughs> yeah. A buddy of mine in the Coast Guard, you know, used to say years ago, don't fall off the cool wagon with your kids, you know, and and that's that's my not falling off the cool wagon, that my son thinks it's cool what I do and that he got to experience it out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So it's it sounds like um, these these effects are kind of compounding as far as awareness. and everything is is there is there a favorite story or experience from from either your time working there or you know from the time that you just first learned about them that that you'd really like to kind of a share a good story on or anything like that well you know that one with my son you know obviously is a personal story but you know i was thinking about that as you were you know asking the question jrbp has given me so many opportunities it's given me an opportunity to pay back a lot of people, uh, people that believed in me and, you know, tr- entrusted me with this training, entrusted me with this experience. And, and now I get to pay JRBP back. One of the things that, that JRBP did, uh, we were looking at as part of our river cleanups, uh, safety is a big thing for us. Okay. And I had an opportunity this past summer. Now, now safety as far as the volunteers? Safety as far as the volunteers, river safety. Okay. And, you know, teaching people about the basics of, of paddling safety, the okay. ABCs of, of river safety. So I had an opportunity last summer to go to uh, the American Canoe Association's uh, kayak instructor certification course. And ACA has different levels all the way up to whitewater. None of that, obviously, <laughs> on the James. But level two, which is, you know, your basic current flatwater sort of you know, stream, that sort of thing. So I, I was able to go over, thanks to JRVP and, and, and WCO, to the uh, certification course at Current River State Park, which is just north of Eminence, yeah. right there along Ozark National Scenic Riverways. And for three days, I went through this class with a, a fantastic instructor named Ivan Bartha out of Minnesota. And uh, Ivan is probably... Well, the best term I can use to describe Ivan, he's a Zen kayak instructor. Okay. You know, he's literally paddled in places like Vietnam and Thailand. Really? You know, he's just this really neat character. And it was the hardest experience of my life in many ways. 
there was at one point where I was laying in this dormitory bunk in the lodge and I was like, oh man, I'm not going to make it out of this. I'm not going to pass this. You know, this is, this is a tough class. I'm not going to get my level two. And by the end of it, I was confident. Yeah. You know, I was doing these maneuvers that I thought I couldn't do. Um, I, I'm relatively new to kayaking. I, I only started kayaking in, in, in 2017. Okay. You know, and so I was really kind of amazed at what I could do and, and challenging. And, and again, it's JRVP that made that possible. And now I can take those skills. And when we go out on the river, in case something would happen, and, and you know, let's hope it doesn't, but mm-hmm. we want to have that. Yeah. That backup, essentially. Yeah. Because, you know, that's another thing, not just environmental issues, but we want people to be safe on the river. Yeah. We want them to go out and have a great time, but we want them to come home, too. We want them to be safe. And with that experience in that class, not only was it professional development, challenging myself. Yeah. And learning a new skill. Now I get to pay that skill back. That's awesome. Yeah. So one of the things I can do now is I can teach kayak instructor or I can teach kayak uh, kayak courses. So the Park Service has been doing this over at, at uh, Ozark National Scenic Riverways. Uh, Dave Toby, who's retiring this year, he's a longtime park ranger and uh, an institution in the community over there. He organized, he helped organize uh, Sunday paddling classes where for two hours they're in the classroom and then for the remainder of the day they're floating the current and they're getting people that have never really kayaked before the basics of paddling safety and introducing them to beautiful surroundings and the park and its history, you know, kind of get them hooked right there. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's great. You know? And, and again, somebody said something about, wow, that was a lot of hard work. And I'm like, no, the work's just beginning. Yeah. You know, now I've got to earn this. Yeah. You know, I've got to earn the trust that people put in me, you know, JRBP's trust to tell the story, to tell it right, you know? Well, it sounds like you're, you're well on your way for that. I hope so. <laughs> it's a great group of people to work with, you know. Some so I've met some some really wonderful people with some great stories, and you know, the old fishing camp stories are still alive, you know. Yeah. And, and just getting to to get to hang out with them and and whatnot, you know. I mean, like I said, I, I tell people I'm, I'm one. Of, I've got one of the best jobs around because I get a float. I get to be outside. Yeah. You know it. It works. Yeah. No, that works out perfectly you know um of course i can't think of the saying now something about never working a day in your life if you do whatever you love or well, something yeah, like exactly. that you know exactly I, I feel like i did when i was a park ranger when i was in my 20s yeah and I, I went to work every day as a park ranger and there was something new every day and you never really had the same day happen every now and then but you know we were outside we were doing programs we were talking to people that obviously loved the park for a wide variety of reasons, you share that love with them. You share that passion. And at the end of the day, you don't want to go home. And I, yeah. that's the measurement. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I don't, I, I can't go home yet. I've got this. I've got to do this. And I've got You're to do excited that. to go to work on Monday. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> Instead of, you know, uh, the cliche dreading Mondays. And it, it, it's hard work. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's extremely hard work and challenging, you know, especially coming from a background I had some knowledge, but not as much as my coworkers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having to learn that. I catch up. and But it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to have that, you know, fun to have that challenge. That's awesome. So so what is the ultimate vision for James River Basin Partnership as, as you guys continue to grow? You know, it's been 22 years or, or whatnot. Um, 
and not only what what else do you guys need i guess from the community to help encourage that growth and keep on kind of going the rate you all are going if that makes sense Uh, so it's going to be a cliche but i'm going to go ahead and say it anyway it's sustainability Uh, not only sustainability in terms of the river and the watershed but also sustainability in the organization Our, our big push right now we're literally rolling out this week a membership drive We have reorganized our membership program. We're one of the few watershed programs around that actually has a membership program because we have a limited amount of unrestricted funds. A lot of our funding comes from grants and from those contracts that I Mm -hmm. mentioned. So those are geared towards specific missions and specific items. But in order to do other really cool programs, we need the funding. The membership allows people to buy into that. And and I kind of compare it to KSMU's membership drive. You know, you'll be driving down the street in the morning and you'll hear KSMU talk about, well, if you're listening to public radio, you really should be a member. If you're taking something out of the river, memories, a float trip, a fish, become a member of JRBP. Pay that back. Pay that forward yeah. to your kids. I yeah. mean, that's ultimately our mission, that my kids, their kids, are going to have a James River that's clean and free of debris trash and floatable yeah you know to take their kids out on to have that clean surface water and that clean groundwater to have those same benefits that we enjoy and so we're really rolling we're pushing that membership you know membership in jrbp is as cheap as 250 a month on a monthly membership yeah what can you get for 250 a month these days so so what all does that kind of include um i i guess I guess what, um, obviously as a member, you want to keep, you know, what, like you said, your backyard clean and kind of buy into that. But what are there special like member events or perks or like kind of, one of our, what does that include? One of our best events a year is an annual member float. So we actually will take our, our members out on a section of the James. We usually bring a speaker with us. Uh, two years ago, or, me, 2018, so almost two years ago, uh, we had Caitlin McConnell with Ozarks Alive, which is a really popular uh, blog and website right now about Ozark's culture. Yeah, she came along with us and she talked about the Ozark float trip history. Uh, we have uh, folks like Lauren Loring Bullard, who is uh, we we jokingly call him Uncle Watershed around the office, but <laughs> but he's he's Mister Watershed. He is knowledgeable about everything in the in the watershed, and he was the longtime director of WCO for a number of years. You know, people get access to somebody like that who can tell them about. The James and, and the watershed. They get a, the float, you know, you, you get to go out on a beautiful section of the river, you get a lunch, you get to talk to fellow water warriors and yeah. and whatnot. It's just a great experience. We do other membership events throughout the year. This last fall, we had a problem with high water. Both of our membership events got postponed. Yeah, it was a little crazy. <laughs> In fact, literally right outside of the studio is the Jordan Creek Underground Box. So back in the 19th century, Jordan Creek, the citizens of Springfield, wanted to prevent flooding in the the downtown area. And so they literally put Jordan Creek into a stormwater box, essentially, to help control flooding. Well, recently we've discovered that that putting a a stream in a box isn't a good thing. (laughs) So if you go out on Sunset Street, South Creek, the restoration area that JRBP was heavily involved with, they've tried to restore South Creek from a concrete channel, and they have, to a natural Ozark setting. And we're already starting to see improvements on South yeah. Creek in three years, three or four years now. Well, we take 
people and, and WCO takes people on tours of Jordan Creek Underground. Okay. So Loring, you know, walks you through the Jordan Creek Underground <laughs> and you get to see what this early attempt at flood control was like in Springfield and yeah. and then learn why it didn't necessarily work. We're not trying to criticize them for it, but you know, here's what we find now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean it it those are those neat little inside tidbits and and whatnot that the average person may not ever get to see. But if you're a JRBP member, you get the you get that the first hand you know? experience. We give you a sticker to put on the car and, and actually I think one of our best perks is our James River Explorers guide. That was uh, Loring helped put that together several years ago. It's literally a roadmap to the basin. Okay. And it's a map of the James River watershed, but then it's all sorts of historic and cultural and scientific and natural information. And I'd love, we've been talking about this for a while, to do some sort of crowdsourcing event where we get people out and they're in the basin, they're visiting these sites, they're taking pictures, hashtagging, you know, putting, you know, tagging us on social media. Yeah. People who have moved here, not familiar with the area, longtime residents who may not be familiar, that Explorer's Guide, it's a gold mine. It's a treasure map Yeah, to an area, you know, get out there and, and explore that. We, we have, you know, our T-shirts, you know, and, and, and like I said, stickers and whatnot. We partner with River Hills Traveler, which is a local newspaper out in Neosho okay. that does a lot of outdoor stories and whatnot. You know, our members can get discounts on that. At certain levels, you know, you can get like discounts to our Sunset Soiree, which is our big fundraising event yeah. on the bridge in Finley River, on, on the Finley. Yeah. You know, we have business memberships and individual and family memberships as well. So, you know, everybody can get involved, you know, and that's, again, that's what I think's the ultimate reward out of membership. It's kind of. Is that you're doing something, you know, 250 a month on the credit card, you know. Yeah. 350 a month, 450 a month. I mean, Set it and forget it with the Netflix membership, or you know, pay annually. But yeah, yeah, you know. and then and yeah, and so so it sounds like kind of as you're growing that kind of these these different memberships and um, um, and everything, it's kind of the whole idea is to continue to build a community that you guys have and raise awareness yep. that way. Um, exactly, river community. That that's a big theme of mine personally, and mm-hmm. I, I learned that I mentioned Dave Toby from over on on Current River. Dave was really big on that about the communities on the current acres and Round Spring and Pultite, and how those communities came together, and, and and how you know over the years the river has has changed their destiny, so to speak. That sounds a little dramatic, but those communities have come together around that river and now new people are coming in, you know, the Ozark trail association volunteers and AmeriCorps and the park service and the coast guard auxiliary and whatnot. And they've all added to the story. And and I'd love to see that with the James too. this James river community, Yeah, you know, people from Springfield, people from Galena, people from the farms and, and, and the small towns along the James. And, and it's not rural versus urban. It's everybody protecting that resource. Yeah, you know, everybody coming together, going, "What a great stream! What a great river! Let's protect it and create that community." That's awesome. So, yeah. so kind of to bounce off of that, you know, and and you know, obviously you're kind of well on your way with that here, and have some other examples. But you know, say you're, I don't know, somewhere not around this area, or somewhere that doesn't have something like this already going on in their community. You know, how do they get something started and kind of get that awareness? You know, obviously there's a, to some point, there's a scientific aspect to it as far as the, the water and everything. But 
Well, you, where'd you start if you just want to say, hey, I want to keep my you know, river in my backyard clean to, to use it for future generations and whatnot? I'm going to go back to that stream team organization, Missouri stream team, especially if you're in the Missouri, you know, you're in the state of Missouri, the stream team organization, that volunteer, citizens volunteer water quality monitoring program is really a good place to start. We've got a, a gentleman out by uh, um, uh, Fordland who's literally organizing a, a stream team cleanup for next weekend. Okay. And he's, you know, contacted us. We've been helping promote it on our social media channels yeah. and whatnot. And stream team is promoting it. And I'm, I'm hoping next weekend he's going to have tons of volunteers out there that are, you know, picking up trash. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Anybody can put together a stream team. And there are programs like that across the country. Missouri really has led the way in stream team. But, you know, Isaac Walton League, which is, is very active around the country as a conservation organization, does a similar program in that as well. I think the stream cleanup, adopt a stream in Springfield. I, I should mention that, too. The city of Springfield has that. You know, that stream cleanup is really the best place to start in a lot of ways. Getting out along shoreside, getting in the stream with your rubber boots and your waders on, yeah. picking up that trash. At the end of the day, you look over and you see that, you know, that pile of trash bags, you know. Yeah. You, you know that you've accomplished something. Two or three times a year, it's not hard to do. That's making a huge impact. Exactly. Right? It is making, you know, a huge impact. And you don't really need anything major to do it, you know. Now, if you get involved with Stream Teams Association, again, you can take those, you know, those training courses. You know, you can come out with us. Well, we have volunteer opportunities, Um you know, look for a, a similar organization in your area that, that might be doing, you know, watershed protection, volunteer, the National Park Service, volunteer with yeah. with NPS um, or with the state park system. But, you know, we have, we are, we're always looking for volunteers to help us with our water quality monitoring on South Creek. You're, you're down in the stream two days and your back hurts at the end of the day, but it's so neat. It's a good day, good days of hard work that's, um, uh, you know, it makes you feel great afterwards, you know, Missouri, I would imagine. I'm talking a lot about the stream team and I, 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 you know, I feel like I am, but you know, they started by with a group of fly fishermen on the Rubidoux river Really, that saw how polluted the Rubidoux was with trash. And they just started picking up trash and it morphed into that. Yeah. You know, I, I know one of the organizers of it, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's that kind of story again, like JRBP, these people coming together, you know, organizing the float trip, going down the river and looking at, you know, what can we do? And then they did it. Yeah. You know, they just went and did it. And and that, I think, is one of the amazing things about this organization. We have longtime members and participants that were there from day one. Yeah. And they're still as, you know, impassioned as they, as they were then, you know. And, and, yeah, the mission goes on. You know, the river flows. You know? <laughs> the river flows on. A, ri- a river runs through it. You know, my favorite movie. But... but so many, so many perfect opportunities for for those sayings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so before we wrap up, is there anything else um, about um, Jr. Um, see, I shouldn't even, <laughs> I even do that. JRBP, James River Basin Partnership. There we go. That you kind of want to leave us with, or anything that um, that you know, maybe we didn't get to chat about, or any parting words with that. You know, I, again, I I think. The river has a new story to tell every day. What's your story? You know, what's your river story? Think about how the James or a local stream or river has impacted your life, your family. And then think about what 
your memories, your family story would be without that river. And if you didn't have access to that and you didn't have access to those memories and then, you know, realize that you can get involved, you can donate money, but you can get involved by getting out on the stream and again, making that difference and you can get your kids involved and, and your friends involved and just have a really good time doing it and enjoy a beer at the end of the day or whatever <laughs> beverage you like to drink and, and set back and, and know that, yeah, I, I made a difference. Yeah. And in, you know, today's world when we get bombarded with so much negative news, yeah, you know, you come out at the end of the day of, of a stream cleanup and you go, wow, I, I made a little bit of a difference yeah. and people go, well, is, is it, does it make that big of a difference? If everybody does, you bet. Yeah. You bet. So I, you know, I just encourage folks, you know, consider that membership with JRBP, get involved, come out and, and join us on a stream cleanup, you know, and, and, and see what it's like. And, and, and you'll get hooked. I am, I am amazed at how much I, I got hooked on stream cleanups <laughs> since I've been involved in this organization. Who would have thought picking up trash, but man, it, it's addictive. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say. You get out there and you're, you're picking up, oh, I got to get that. I got to get that, you know? And, yeah. And the next thing you know, you're pulling a tractor tire out of the river, you know. Or, Wait, now what do I do with it? <laughs> or an outhouse, you know, a couple of years. Well, this year I think they actually pulled out portions of a porta potty, you know. Oh, and, you know, it's amazing. It's fun to, to play that contest to see what's the strangest thing yeah. you pull out of the river. You yeah. Know? And, Unfortunately, I'm sure there's some crazy things that you guys see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and again, it, it's it's fun, but yeah, you know, you also know that you're accomplishing something. But you know, we all have a story to tell. Yeah. And and storytelling is very important to me. So, you know, what's your story? And, you know, what's your river story, I guess, is the way I'd leave it. You know, just like Mark Twain learning the river when he was a steamboat pilot. He, he had to learn the river every bend, every snag, every shoal, and it constantly changed. Yeah. And that's the same way working in, in this job. I feel like that riverboat pilot, it's a new story every day. Well, to that extent, so for somebody who wants to get involved, um, you know, for your next cleanup or become a member, um, as far as online, where can people find you online? Website, website social is, media stuff is jamesriverbasin.com, and that's the basic landing platform, so to speak. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. We have an e-newsletter called The Current. We try to put one out Perfect. once a week or at least, you know, once every two weeks. They can, uh, your listeners can sign up with that. It's through Robley. It's online. Uh, Facebook, of course, is is one area that I, well, I do most of the social media for the partnership. And, and we always love to share pictures and stories. And, and we follow other organizations and try to, you know, let folks know about upcoming events in the region and whatnot. But that's really, those areas are probably the best place to reach out to us. You know, and, and follow us on Facebook and, um, you know, Instagram. I'd love to share more pictures from around the basin. You know, yeah. folks send me a picture, I'll put it up. You know, you take that picture along Horse Creek down in, in Galena, you know, when you're out fishing. Yeah, let's get it up there. Yeah. Let's, sure. let's share that, you know. That's awesome. Well, Todd, I want to thank you again for coming on um, today's podcast um, and sharing everything that you all have going on. It's, um, it's like I said, I've heard you kind of talk about this before, but it's, it's cool to hear it again and see where you guys are going with it. So I definitely wish um, not only you, but also James River Basin Partnership, um, <laughs> the best of luck to moving forward. Um, so, yeah. Well, we appreciate the opportunity. It's always great to partner with, you know, with, with folks that, that have that same that same spirit, so to speak, and, and to be able to tell the story. And, and hey, I got to do my first podcast. This is, <laughs> now I'm addicted to podcasts. Anybody else want a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if I help you with that, too. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.